Hey, this is Len Casper, the TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. Rhino, buddy, are you ready for summer camp? Uh, Chad, I've been ready for the last three months. I want to hear the crack of the bat. I want to hear the ball hitting the mitts. I want baseball back, and it's finally here. I couldn't be more excited. It's here, and and the new episode is here. We're so excited about it. We're going to be talking about players that we're really looking to have an impact this year, players that we think might have a sneaky, um, important role. Um, we're going to talk about the implications of, of COVID and, and, and its effect on, on what's uh, coming up. And dare I say, Rhino, uh, do we have our biggest guest of all time? I mean, it's uh, arguably safe to say that, Chad, from the Marquee Sports Network, the voice of the Chicago Cubs on television entering his 16th season. It is Len Casper who is going to join us and give us a preview of the 2020 season. You don't want to miss a single minute. So stick around because the friendly confine starts right now. First inning now, Chad, and man, it is exciting because on Wednesday, the players will report for summer camp, as they're calling it, spring training, as the Chicago Cubs get ready to get set for the 2020 season and the 60-game season that will be in 2020. Um, I am just so happy that sports is finally returning, that we're going to see some semblance of baseball once again and that we can get this season started after all the acrimony after all the back and forth we're finally able to see players live in action again and not have to rely on watching old baseball games this is going to be exciting this is going to be fun i'm cautiously optimistic that this season will be successful with all the changes but i'm just happy everybody is back right now what are you looking forward to on wednesday the most you know, just knowing that it's it's back. I mean, it's been it's been about 130 days since spring training started. You know, the pandemic was announced about 110, 111 days ago. Opening day was supposed to be about 100 days ago. So, I mean, this is that's a good portion of the year that we should have had baseball. And so for me, like you, just the fact that it's going to be run and, and we don't know. I think I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I am a little bit more pessimistic about it, about it running all the way through. But for me, it's, it's about, you know, the excitement of, of the, the, the sound of, of the ball against the, the, the bat, the ball against the leather and knowing that the Cubs are going to be stepping on the field I mean, with, even with all the uncertainty, there's just this really incredible opportunity um, to take back the national spotlight. You know, the Cubs haven't had that. Uh, baseball hasn't had that with all the uh, the negotiations and all the issues. I mean, let's keep in mind, uh, Ryan, um, the NHL, the NBA, they have not resumed yet. So if the baseball can figure this out, if they can do it in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way, they could capture the hearts and minds and definitely the attention of a yearning, yearning um, fan base and, and even a, a new fan base that is, wants to see live sports. Yeah, 100%. And I do believe, like you said, that people are just chomping at the bit and all the things that people were upset about when they didn't think there was even going to be a season, 
all is probably forgiven with fans because they just want to be able to watch baseball at this point. And I think you're going to have that much more of an appreciation for the games once they get started. So let us move on to the second inning now. And Jed Hoyer, the general manager of the Cubs, announced that two members of the organization tested positive for COVID. So they will be held back. Um, as you know, we knew that there would be positive tests, whether it's from people in the organization or players in the organization. Uh, right now, no players have tested positive. Let's knock on wood for that. And this just continues that narrative, Chad, as we've been talking about the entire time, just the concern and how we're going to handle positive cases when it comes to these players um, and when they get back on the field. Now, you Darvish, who is one of the more vocal players who was concerned about potentially not playing, has said he is going to be in camp. Anthony Rizzo is going to be in camp. So far at the recording of this show, we do not have any Cubs players that have said they are going to opt out, much like there have been a few uh, players in Major League Baseball that have said they're not going to play or any high-risk players or coaches. I mean, that includes John Lester, who's a cancer survivor as well. He's going to be in camp too. So something to hang your hat on here that it seems like as of now, the core players for this team are going to be in camp and for the season, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. And I think the narrative is going to continue to evolve. I think we're going to have updates even this week, you know, after we, we set this to record, uh, I think we're going to have more and more names that are going to come on board that are, that are the decisions made for family decision made because this is such a unique time. Um, I know people really felt like this was all about billionaires and millionaires fighting, but there was such a huge health and safety component to this. Um, and that's going to be an underlying issue. That's going to be a, a, a pall over the entire um, start of the season as it, as it runs, runs through, you know, I've told you my biggest worry, my biggest concern, and I'll just, I always use the Yankees as my example, because I don't want it to happen to the Cubs, but you know, let's say three core members of the Yankees all of a sudden test positive. What do they just pull their team, you know, or because they have to sit out and be quarantined. I mean, how is that going to work? If, if you have a, an outbreak on a team, you know, the NFL, uh, the bears, for instance, offering a full refund, any season ticket holder wants it. So they're already thinking ahead to the possibilities. Um, team Teams are pushing back to start the, the date of the NFL season. And, you know, nationwide and globally, the COVID numbers continue to climb. There really is no end in sight. So for this 60-game season to happen after summer camp, all the way through the playoffs, ending, you know, um, in, in October, everything has to be perfect. Everyone has to um, be perfect. And, and somehow the infections have to completely avoid uh, the bubble that is going to be Major League Baseball. So, again, I'm very hopeful, but we have to realize the risk is going to be very strong, and it's it's how are they going to address it when and if it happens. Yeah, I mean, listen, do I think teams are going to pull out? I don't. I think it's just going to be players are going to go on the IR, and they're going to continuously test players every single day to make sure that they're not testing positive. And if they do, they're not going to be able to play. And then they're going to have to self-quarantine for two weeks, and they're going to have to – bring somebody up or, you know, bring someone in, I guess is the better way of putting it to, you know, replace that person on the roster. You know, I mentioned John Lester. He's a cancer survivor. Anthony Rizzo, also a cancer survivor. So another high risk player there. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, we know that there's going to be players that are going to test positive along the way. There's no way 
that there were, there is not going to be a single player this season that doesn't test positive throughout the year. And to your point, it's just a matter of how does Major League Baseball handle that if we start to see one, two, three players testing positive, um, and then how do you quarantine that team yeah. to make sure that they stay safe? I, I have a hard time believing you're going to pull a team from from the season. Yeah, but, but I mean, Rhino, if you if you if if four guys, five guys, core guys from a team go down, you know, does that cheapen and does that affect everything in a really you know in, in a catastrophic way? So it, it's, well. We know this season is going to be different anyway. We know that this season yeah. is not going to be a normal season. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, records or we talk about the World Series champion, I mean, this whole season, as far as I'm concerned, is going to have an asterisk next to it. Like, we've already talked yeah. about that, right? Yeah. So if four core guys go down, I mean, we know that could be a possibility. So it's just going to be a play-on scenario where we just say – just you got to keep the train running that's that's really what it boils down to i feel like so let us move on to the third inning now chad and uh summer camp consisting of 60 players uh 39 of them headed to wrigley field 11 headed to south bend with 10 spots that are still open um for the remaining 60 players so just to break it down for everybody and kind of how this is all going to work um the way that it's going to be is the first two weeks of the season, you're going to have a 30-man roster. Then the following two weeks, it goes down to a 28-man roster. And then the rest of the season after that, for the following two weeks, you have 28. Then, like I said, the rest of the year, it's a 26-man roster, and that goes throughout the postseason. So we kind of have an idea at this point who the locks are, Chad. I think it's yeah. a, a matter of, well, how does the rest of the roster fill out for this team because without really any major changes on this roster, we kind of know already for the most part, um, you know, what this team is, is going to look like. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I really think about the players that I'm focused on, that I'm really looking at that, I, I'm excited to see what they're going to be able to show here in summer camp. And then leading into the season, you know, I'm going to pick a couple pitchers, Tyler Chatwood. I mean, he, he had such a, 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 such a high ceiling coming into spring um, so much to prove. And he was looking to take over one of those spots in the starting rotation after he had, he had done some, uh, some incredible work in the long relief role. But then for me also Craig, Kimbrell. I mean, this is the guy that really after the the clunker of the season he had last year, and especially that miserable end to that Cardinal game in the last home series, you know, what can he do? What does he have in the tank? What can he show this team? Because he has a lot to prove on the offensive and defensive side of it. You know, what I'm really excited about, Ryan, and I, I'm going to throw out just a couple names, Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras, what can they do knowing that they can put their foot on the gas for 60 games. What can they do? Because those are guys, when they're on a hot streak, they are incredible. I can't wait to see what they can do on an offensive um, uh, talent-specific area where they are focused on on um, stepping into that batter's box and and hitting for average, hitting for power, and showing, you know, with Javi, his age 27 season, that is typically the prime of most players' uh, careers. This is Javi's shortened age 27 season. He has a lot to prove coming off that MVP, uh, uh, near MVP showcase. Yeah, I guess for me, uh, the two guys that I would probably look at, uh, one is Jason Kipnis, obviously, uh, once upon a time, you know, this guy was 
a player to, you know, be reckoned with when it came to, you know, one of the best second basemen, maybe in the American League, young up and coming player from the Chicagoland area, grew up in Northbrook, uh, went to Glenbrook North High School. So he's happy to be home. He was a Cubs fan when he was growing up as a kid. Um, and, and for me, I think Craig Kimbrell has a lot to prove, Chad. I think we yeah. can both agree on that. I mean, this was a guy everybody wanted, signed, sealed, and delivered. The Cubs followed through on that, and he just absolutely fell apart. He wasn't healthy, um, but just not the pitcher that everyone thought they were signing lot up for. A lot to prove. A lot to prove. A lot to prove, and I hope that he can come back and kind of prove people wrong because when Craig Kimbrell is on, um, there's no question he's one of the best pitchers uh, or rather one of the best closers in baseball. So, you know, for me, I'm curious to see how those two guys are going to be, because if Kipnis can be, you know, a solid second baseman for this team, which was obviously a big question all of last year, you know, after Zobris went down is who is going to consistently play second base. And if the Cubs can get, you know, like I said, Kimbrell, to be that closer that they've needed, um, you know, I think we could be talking about a team that that is going to be really competitive and and really maybe uh, play a role in the postseason if uh, if these guys you know can can contribute some some major points for this team um, throughout the summer. I so, agree. Yeah. So let's move on now to the fourth inning, Chad. And uh, with that being said, are there any surprises that you think when you look at this roster? and say, you know, no one's talking about this guy, but maybe this is somebody that who could turn some heads and make something happen um, should they make the team. It, it's interesting you listed Kipnis. You know, he's not even on the 40-man roster at this point, so he is. He's one of those that I'm not sure where he fits if everything falls into play. He's such a great feel-good story, but is there room for them, you know? Um, the What I was excited about in the in the spring was, you know, a healthy Daniel Descal- Descalso, which I know that sounds hilariously silly after the year he had last year, but he was plagued by wrist issues all of last year. He has a lot to prove. He has a big contract, and he does want to take over that second play- second base role. And the other question is, where does that leave Nico Horner? I mean, is this a guy that are they going to, um, you know, are they going to, how are they going to force him into such a shortened season? Are they just going to make him the show or are they going to give him small uh, bits and pieces uh, along the way? And then the other piece of the puzzle is, are we over Albert Amuro and, and, and his, his role in uh, center field? And are we going to see Steven Souza because they had big hopes for him and he was also having a really big spring. So those are some of the lesser, uh, you know, lesser guys by name um, that I'm really excited to see how they step, step up because if this, this team is going to go on a run, if they are going to excel, it's not going to be the guys we all know. It's going to be some surprises along the way. They're going to propel them to what could be a really exciting year. Yeah, for me, I got I got pitchers that I would be looking at. Um, for one, it's Dylan Maples, who I think is a guy who has the potential to yeah. really be a just knockout pitcher. Uh, this guy throws hard. He's a big guy. Um, certainly someone who I think, you know, if he's able to make an impact on this team, uh, you know, again, young pitcher, I think he might be someone down the line or hopefully this year that could potentially be someone that could, you know, really give the Cubs an added boost. Um, The other person I would be looking at is Jeremy Jeffries, uh, the free agent pitcher that they signed. He will make the roster, um, came off an injury last year, but this is a guy who I think the Cubs are really looking at to be a setup man for Kimbrell or could potentially be a closer depending on how Kimbrell responds this year. So he's someone else that I'm keeping an eye on to see how 
uh, ultimately he's going to look, um, you know, since he's come off the IR and now he's trying to kind of get back into that playing shape and, and really kind of reinforce what he was able to do when he was in Milwaukee. So let us move on now to the fifth inning, Chad. And uh, it's already been announced by manager David Ross that the Cubs are going to have that one-two punch with Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo batting one and two this year going into the season. So it's interesting because the leadoff spot was also another area where the Cubs struggled between, you know, Kyle Schwarber or Jason Hayward or Anthony Rizzo when uh, he would lead off. People obviously thought Rizzo was probably their best leadoff hitter, but (laughs) I kind of think this is interesting. Listen, you got your two top hitters at the top of the lineup to set the table. Um, and that that's going to allow someone like Javi and then Contreras to, you know, give them the extra effort to, you know, bring them home. Why not give it a shot? Right. I mean, I know that in the past, when you're talking about leadoff hitters, you're thinking about guys who, you know, get on base, steal bases, but we both know the game of baseball has changed dramatically. And the, the days of having a speedy guy at the top of the lineup is not as big of an issue or an impact that you need as opposed to just a guy who can get on base or even hit a home run to start a game uh, because we know how the game has has changed so much throughout that time. So I kind of like this move by, by Ross uh, with, with the Brizzo one, two punch in the beginning of the lineup. What, what do you uh, ultimately feel about that when uh, you see those two hitting uh, first and second? Uh, This just to me shows there's a new guard, there's a new leader, there's a new manager. And and there was a lot of feedback that the inconsistency of the lineup, not really knowing what your role was and being moved around. I mean, I, I still play ball, albeit at a much different level. Um, but it's nice to know your role and you show up knowing your role. And so if Bryant knows that's his role and Rizzo knows that he's after that as a role, I mean, the, what I like is what you, you kind of shared is like you've got this embarrassment of riches. So if those two guys are one, two and you've got Contreras and Javi and and and, and right right there um, and Schwarber, I mean, that's that's one heck of a start to a lineup. Um, no matter how you slice and dice them. So I like the consistency and knowing that they're going to be in that role and they, they understand what their role is. I'm not sure if it's going to last, um, but again, this is a sprint season. Um, and I think this is an opportunity to kind of redefine what could be possible from a, a, a one, two batter. And, you know, what I like about both of them is they make contact. What I like about both of them is they're disciplined hitters. What I like about both of them is, you know, unlike a Javi Baez, there's not a lot of three pitch at bats um, with those two. So um, an opportunity to work a pitcher and, and see a lot of pitches. And as you said, I mean, I, it's going to be pretty, pretty exciting for the first time when there's a, a Brizzo back-to-back homer to start the game. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you mentioned uh, earlier about some pitchers that we were potentially looking at to see if they would uh, be able to make that big impact as we move to the sixth inning. And, uh, Certainly the rotation is going to have to be, uh, you know, important for this team to succeed this year. And there's been some chatter uh, about maybe it would benefit this team to go from a five-man rotation to a six-man rotation. So we're looking at Darvish one, Hendricks two, Lester three, Quintana four. Um, Then we're looking at possibly that's, that's where we decide, like, is Alec Mills uh, your five guy? And then, you know, who do you go with for your sixth yeah. starter at that point? Like, what do you decide to do? Is Tyler Chatwood your, your, your number six? I mean, what, who do you think ultimately is the guy? And do you think 
that is the right move for this team to decide and say, you know what, maybe for the first few weeks of the season, because we are knowing that these guys are only going to be able to pitch four or five innings tops, maybe to just kind of get them a little more rested. We go with that six man rotation. You, you on board with that. Well, I'm going to go at it from a different angle and I'm, I'm going to speak to everybody that is up in arms and is, is furious about the designated hitter. I'm going to speak to everybody that's up in arm about the extra inning rule of, of, of a runner on second to start every, um, every extra inning um, game uh, until the playoffs. You know, here's, here's what that means. Here's what that means is, is we're, we're, we've got the flexibility, uh, the Cubs have the flexibility of a lineup now where they don't have to burn pitchers. And I think you're going to be strong. You're going to see stronger pitchers. I mean, you mentioned Jeffries. There's a guy coming off an injury. He just, he got an extra hundred days to recover. John Lester getting older, you know, he's in his, his, his last year before the, the, either the opt out or the Cubs contract, he's got an extra hundred days you know, to again, stay healthier. So what I think you're going to see is kind of a different mechanism when it comes to pitching. So it could be a six man rotation. They could go seven man, you know, if they've got a hot hand and they want to give somebody an opportunity like Maples to come up and see what he has. Um, you, you have, uh, you, you could start with, uh, openers, have closers come in. I mean, I think you're, I think all bets are off when it comes, um, to, to, to the pitching position. You're not going to see the double switches anymore. Cause you don't have to with the designated hitter, you know, Cubs fans are going to get used to, um, not thinking through burning pitchers and knowing that you've used somebody for a, a pitcher here or there or, a, a, you know, the final out of one inning, and uh, we're not going to see him for a couple games. Now I think you're going to see pitchers at, at a stronger strength, more full strength, um, and no matter who you put in there, I mean, if you're asking me for my, you know, who I think with the sixth person would be, I, I still think my, my money's on Chatwood to prove something this year. Um, but I just think it's going to be such an interesting dynamic. It's going to be, as I said before, a sprint and and it's going to be a sprint with some really strong arms all the way through. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. We are so excited for baseball to be back, and we are even more excited for our guest this week. You know him, you hear him, you watch him. He is the voice of the Chicago Cubs on the Marquee Network on your TV. It is Len Casper who is joining us here on the seventh inning stretch of the Friendly Confines. Len, welcome to the program with Chad and Ryan. How are you doing? And thank you so much for being with us. You got it, Ryan. Chad, happy to be with you guys and uh, talking a little baseball here as uh, summer has officially started and uh, hopefully baseball is right around the corner. Yeah, for sure. Well, with that being said, Len, let's start right there. What are your initial thoughts about baseball being back and how the season is being laid out? Well, it's going to be uh, a fascinating uh, journey to get through the the 2020 season, uh, as is the case in in every facet of life really around the world uh, is the virus will dictate uh, whether or not we can get this thing going and completed. Uh, I, I really appreciate how Major League Baseball has tackled uh, the health and safety protocols. Uh, it's, it's incredibly detailed. It looks as though it's pretty stringent. Um, look, you know, telling baseball players not to spit and even to high five, uh, that may be difficult to do in the heat of the battle or not to do uh, because they're routine oriented. Um, but I do think that a lot of the things that will happen in and around the ballpark and the clubhouse 
uh, and on the field and in the dugouts uh, before and after the games will help immensely. And, uh, you know, there is some personal responsibility on everybody's part uh, to, to make sure we're as safe as possible. But I think the bottom line is everybody wants to see baseball back. And uh, I cannot wait to get in the booth with Jim Deshays and get on Marquee Sports Network uh, in the first year of its launch. Uh, there's so many great people there. We've been waiting uh, impatiently uh, for the last several months uh, to, to get regular season baseball underway. And finally, it looks like it's going to happen. So good to talk to you, Lynn. It's Chad here. And I, you know, I've had those concerns about health and safety. And, and it's one of the things I've, I've thought about is, are you, do you feel confident that once this gets started, uh, do you foresee, do you think this will go through with that, with, without players being lost, without maybe even teams being lost uh, or even the league halting? I don't really have a strong opinion on, on, on that because so many things have been out of our control and so many things have changed on a dime this year uh, on the health front that you know it's really really difficult to predict the future uh, i'm hopeful that we can get through this and i think everybody is and and as i said i i think some of it comes down to personal responsibility probably most of it uh, is just a lot of luck and and we've had some bad luck in some areas of the country regionally here lately um, it, we seem to be knock on wood doing better uh, in chicago and illinois uh, so those are good signs but um you know i trust people who uh, are a lot smarter than i am and who have been right in the middle of all of this to try to figure out how to do it they seem confident we can do it so uh, i take them at their word and uh, as i said i I'm very much looking forward to getting back in the booth and calling games, however they will look. Yeah, well, I was just going to follow up with that, Len, uh, and with you having your first year, as you mentioned, with the Marquee Sports Network. What do you think that will look like? I know you're not going to be traveling with the team. What will that experience be like for you doing games from wherever you may be doing the games this year? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, unique, uh, uh, unprecedented in a lot of ways. Uh, we won't be recreating games necessarily uh, from a different uh, site uh, like they used to back in the you know, 20s, 30s, 40s um, when they didn't travel. But, uh, you know, doing a game off the monitor is something I've never done. And we're going to have to uh, have a pretty quick uh, learning curve here. Uh, we'll have some fun with it. I think people understand the situation here that the health and safety of everyone involved is paramount. Uh, they just want to see baseball and, uh, you know, we'll try to make it as comfortable as we can. Technologically, uh, Marquee Sports Network is doing some amazing things. Um, I don't know all of the things we're going to be able to do, but just a few of the things I saw in spring training and uh, what we hope to do were, are going to be pretty cool. And just the people are so great, and, and they've worked so hard and diligently to get this thing off the ground. Uh, they deserve to have baseball on its airwaves, and it's going to happen. I, and and I'm so blown away. I mean, you you talk about the the Herculean effort to get a, a a network off the ground, and then you lose all your programming. And and what the the Marquee Network has done has been pretty amazing to fill that time, knowing that they were going to have highlights and games every day. So when you think about the Marquee Network, what are you most excited about? Just about everything, really. Uh, you know, uh, uh, as I said, I think it starts with the people. Um, and, and, you know, I could name everybody at the network. <laughs> yeah. I know, but it, it would take a long time because they've hired 
a lot of amazing people, but it's really the quality of people, starting with the general manager, Mike McCarthy, uh, Mike Santini, the uh, executive producer. Uh, their resumes are incredibly impressive. Um, I, I think there's a balance that they they have struck really well with giving you kind of a hyper Cubs local pinpoint focus on this team, yeah. but also giving it kind of a national feel technologically and in terms of its presentation. So I, I really anticipate giving Cubs fans kind of the best of all worlds in that it, it is a local slash regional telecast specifically for Cub fans. Um, but I think they're going to really enjoy how it looks and sounds and feels. And and I've always been of the mindset that even if you're not a diehard Cub fan or, God forbid, you're rooting for the team the Cubs are playing against, that you still uh, will enjoy what we do. You know, we, 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 we try not to turn people away no matter who they're rooting for. But uh, obviously, this is going to be a great thing for Cubs fans. Uh, it, you know, it's a 24-hour network, um, and, and I think people mostly want to see the games, and that's why this is a big deal uh, that it, a 60-game schedule is on the way. Um, but, you know, a lot of it we're going to navigate through uh, together for the first time, and it's really cool to be part of a startup like this. Lynn, you're entering, I want to say, year 16 as the voice of the Chicago Cubs on TV. When, when you think about that, is does that mean anything to you? And, and knowing that, I want to say that's the same amount of time Harry had the mic with the Cubs, um, I know you're very quick to, you know, you don't want to obviously compare yourself to Harry or Jack or anything like that. But just knowing you've been having that longevity with this organization, does that number mean anything to you? Well, I'm honored to be here and every day it goes by, whether it's you know 16 days, 16 weeks, months, years. And it is hard to believe that I've been here that long. My my son is 19 and and basically, you know, most of his life has been spent. Uh, in Chicago. This is our home. Uh, so I think that's number one. And I feel uh, very much a part of the Cubs family, not only with the team, uh, with the new network, but with the fans in general. And when people say that I am a part of their daily uh, life uh, in, in terms of three to four hours a day, my voice is pumped into their household. Uh, I don't take that lightly. Uh, the, the, the responsibility is precious it's special and it's something I never take for granted. And I'm uh, just, you know, so excited to be here and, uh, you know, looking forward to what could be a really intriguing baseball season. It's, it's going to be so unique with the shortened season and just being within the, the, the central region um, and even within our league play, just the central region. When you think about, let's get into the gameplay. What are you most looking forward to this season with the collection of players that are really in, in, the, in a lot of the cases in the prime of their careers? What do you, what do you foresee for this team that has kind of ran out of gas the last couple of years towards the end, but under new leadership and, and uh, new marching orders? What do you think is the, the prospects for this young group of talent? I, I think it's almost impossible to predict what a team's record will look like in such a short season. I believe it's 37% of what a normal uh, 162 would look like. Um, it's possible uh, the best team in the division in any division might not even make the playoffs because of a bad five to 10 game stretch uh, that happened to the Cubs last year, as you know, when they lost nine in a row in September and kind of, uh, you know, ended the season with a thud. Uh, and, and, and now with a new manager here, but a very similar looking roster, I, I do think they come in with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Um, the, mo the thing I'm most interested in to more specifically 
address your question is what the quality of play will look like and how games with no fans or very limited amount of fans and how that affects the players on the field. Uh, I'm very curious to see, you know, who will really step up and if it negatively impacts other guys who really seem to feed off the energy of the moment. Um, In a lot of ways, guys, they're going to have to supply their own energy, especially if they have to socially distance from their teammates, you know, no high-fiving and things like that. I could see some guys being a little out of sorts. And if you get into a slump, uh, that could really get in your head. Uh, So that's the thing that I'm most interested in, in terms of a 60 game, you know, pandemic (laughs) major league season is just what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like uh, runner at second in extra innings, how strategically managers are going to play that. Uh, There are just a million uh, really intriguing angles that we'll tackle on a daily basis. Well, Len, you bring up a great point about that with players trying to get themselves kind of, you know, pumped up, so to speak. There, there's chatter that potentially maybe teams would bring in crowd noise. Is that something that you think teams could potentially consider to just give the, the players that kind of ambiance and experience to feel like there's people there? Does, does, would that make sense? I don't know the answer to that, I suppose. Um you know, Major League Baseball could allow teams to do whatever they want, uh, or they could simply say nobody's doing it or everybody can do it. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I, you know, I know that there have been um, uh, some soccer uh, telecasts that have had uh, fake crowd noise pumped in. Uh, I've heard rumors about the NFL maybe doing it. I don't know exactly how we're going to handle it and whether that would simply be a TV thing or actually would be heard in the ballpark. This is, I'm only speaking for myself. My my gut tells me that the start of it would be as natural as possible. And the other part is, you know, as a fan, the opportunity to hear what guys are saying on the field uh, is, is unprecedented, as I said earlier. So to, to pump in crowd noise and to not be able to hear some things that we normally wouldn't um, almost feels like a missed opportunity. So I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to hearing some of that chatter on the field with the lack of crowd noise and, and just kind of play through that and, and see how it feels. So there's going to be a couple rule changes that, we, well, we knew the the minimum batters face for relief pitchers, but what do you think, what's your take on, you touched on it a second ago with the runner on second for extra innings, obviously a health and safety measure to make sure there's not any 16 or 17 inning games. Um, what do you think about that? The DH, cause that obviously is lighting up social media right now. Well, the DH thing was was going to happen at some point anyway, uh, and it just was fast-tracked because of uh, the circumstance. Uh, I'm not losing sleep over it. I do prefer the National League style of play, but uh, I had come to accept that the DH would be universal, uh, and it should be because, or at least the rules should be the same with all of the interleague play. Uh, The Cubs will spend a third of their schedule this year playing American League clubs. So, yeah, I, I, I think the Cubs are one of those teams that should benefit from the DH uh, because they do have some some guys you'd like to get that bat in the lineup. I just don't like the I'm not going to fight it. Uh, it, it. It will be exciting. It, it, it will create a, a lot of discussion about what a manager might want to do uh, strategically. I would have preferred a 12-inning uh, uh, cap on games and if it ends in a tie so be it 
Um, but ties are something most people don't like anymore. So I, I understand that I'm a bit of a dinosaur with that uh, <laughs> idea in mind. So um, it is what it is, as the kids say, and uh, away we go. Uh, you know, they're not going to do the runner at second and extras in the postseason. So that's, that's the best news. And, um, you know, I'm a big hockey fan. I don't like shootouts. So any gimmick you, you, you use in overtime or extra innings, typically I, I would shy away from. But, you know, we're, we're in an unprecedented moment, so you got to try some stuff. Len, I'm going to take you back for a second. I'm sure you've been asked this question, but I, I don't think I know the answer. Is there a favorite game in your 16-year career with the Cubs that you've called that stands out or that kind of holds a special place in your heart more than any other? Oh, there are a bunch. Uh, I would think the first home game uh, against the Brewers back in 2005. I had worked at Wrigley previously, but never in the home booth. Uh, that was a pinch me moment. Um, I think it was opening day 08. Uh, the Cubs actually lost the game in extra innings, but Kosuke Fukudome yep. in his Cubs debut hit a, a three run homer in the ninth to tie it. Uh, I think of the Aramis Ramirez uh, walk off against Milwaukee in 07. That kind of propelled Lou Pinella's club to uh, a division title that year. Uh, the Carlos Zambrano no hitter uh, in Milwaukee. A lot of Milwaukee connections uh, against the Astros. <laughs> Uh, in 08, uh, the Chris Bryant three homer, two double game in Cincinnati, Jake Arietta's second no hitter in Cincinnati. Uh, there are a million of them, but um, a lot of them have been here in the last few years and, and probably too many to name. And then just being there for game seven in Cleveland, even though I uh, only did one inning of radio that night, uh, being on the field interviewing the Cubs after they won uh, their first World Series in 108 years was something I'll never forget. Yeah, the the moniker "lovable losers" we can we can say that's that's been parked. Uh, that that is no longer the the the, the case. Uh, how do you feel? I know Ryan earlier asked you in you know about your 16 year career, but I, I would take it in a different way. You are here right now at a time uh, such a special time in Cubs history. Tell us uh, just about uh, you know does that hit you that that you were able to be a part of this ascension and and what does that mean for you to know that this is a an organization that is really investing in winning now. Oh, for sure. It's special. Uh, you know, I think you get, you get spoiled when the, when teams are good and when the team is bad, it feels like they're never going to get good any, uh, again. And how quickly did it change in 2015? You know, the Cubs had uh, a pretty long stretch of losing baseball and then all of a sudden they caught fire in 15 and then a year later win the world series uh, they haven't had a losing season uh, since uh, 14 was the last time the Cubs had a losing record. And you know, I don't take that for granted. Uh, I appreciate all the good years, uh, even the, this, the years in which the Cubs uh, struggle. I, you know, I still get a lot of enjoyment out of those seasons just because I love the game so much. And we only have a finite amount of time on this planet as it is. And, uh, and to sit back and, you know, be upset that that you're calling big league games for a team that isn't winning. I mean, every game I call is is a ton of fun, but it's a heck of a lot more fun when your team is really good. And I, you know, I will never tell a fan how to uh, how to behave or how to how to treat uh, his or her team. I would just say, as as frustrating as it can be when things don't go well, I really hope, and I think that's the case, that Cubs fans get as much enjoyment as they can out of the good times because it doesn't last forever. It is fleeting. And all of a sudden, if you have a really bad year, 
you know, you have to have that balance of completely enjoying those years that are really good. I know everyone got a ton of joy out of 2016. Um, 2017 was frustrating because of the way it ended, but that was still a really good year. They got back to the National League Championship Series. Uh, 18 was frustrating in that long extra inning game in the wild card. The Cubs didn't win, and then the nine in a row in September last year was a real, you know, shot to the gut uh, that ended up ending Joe Madden's uh, uh, Cubs career, and now he's moved on. But that's what makes the, the good time special, right? You, ha- you have to have the, the ebb and the flow and the good and the bad. If it's all just good, it would be like being a Patriots fan. And then <laughs> all it is is win, 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 win. And there's a point where if they lose a game, you know, you, you feel like uh, your entire world has been taken away. That's not how most fans of most teams uh, kind of view the world. And um, so, yes, it's been incredible here, and I don't take any of it for granted. Len, we'll let you go on this. Um, I know you were a part of the uh, Hot Stove Cool Music event. It was a little different this year, but you were a big part of that. Um, Go ahead. Talk a little bit about what that was all about and uh, how you were involved. Yeah, it's a great uh, two times a year event, one in Chicago, one in Boston. Uh, We were unable to host uh, in Chicago this year. It would have been last weekend when the Red Sox came to which behind the scenes. Uh, I know it was incredibly difficult and challenging to put together, but it was an amazing night. Uh, performances from Common, um, Steven Tyler, uh, James Taylor, uh, my band, The 45, made up of a bunch of Chicago All-Stars. We uh, debuted uh, our first single, and uh, Joel Murray uh, got to intro the band. Uh, Sunshine Boys, another great Chicago band. Uh, Michael Malley uh, was the host. Theo was involved. Peter Gammons. Bernie Williams played uh, guitar. Uh, it was Bronson Arroyo, uh, the former pitcher, has a great band. So it was a wonderful night. I don't have the final total of how much money was raised. Uh, for Theo's foundation to be named later, but it, it's going to be a lot of money. And and this was the most important event we've had to date, just because there's a lot of need around the world uh, with what everybody's going through right now. And uh, all of the, the money goes to, to great efforts in both the Boston and Chicago communities. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. That's fantastic. Len Casper, our guest here on the seventh inning stretch, of course, you can see him on the Marquee Sports Network, the longtime play-by-play announcer for the Cubs. Also, don't forget, Chad, he has a podcast, too, Open Concession. Fantastic with Lennon podcast. KD. He's got great – they've, they've had Joel Murray on. They've had, they've had a lot of great guys. Fergie Jenkins, Billy Williams. They get, they get a big big names uh, – a lot of big names on that program, too. So check it out as well. Hey, Len, we cannot thank you enough for the time. You have been more than absolutely, you know, appreciative of, of your time. And uh, we really thank you. Best of luck this 2020 season. We would love to have you back on the show whenever your schedule allows. Thank you so much for being with us. Ryan and Chad, I appreciate you having me on. Let's uh, let's enjoy a fun baseball season. Thanks, Len. You got it. Thanks, guys. Our thanks to Len Casper for joining us on. How fun was that? Stretch. Man, that was exciting, man. That was great. Yeah, it really was. a lot of fun. Such a gentleman, Len is, and. Uh, of course, you can find him on Twitter at Len Casper, and you can find him on the Marquee Sports Network, which uh, will be showing the Cubs games all season long. And you can watch him and JD. And of course, we mentioned his podcast, Open Concessions. Make sure to check out that episode. He's got Terry Wood. Yeah, and you know, such good, such good, uh, 
yeah, such good guests, Rhino. And, and you know, I, I want to share with the listeners. I mean, you know, we've had some blockbuster guests. We've had people walk off the Sports Center uh, a desk and come right onto our show. We've had Carl Ravage. Um, we've had Joe Buck. We've had our, our great friend of the show, Mark Silverman, Dave Kaplan. We had the late Jet Kopic. I mean, we, we've had so many great guests we've got coming up. We're really proud to share with you um, in the coming weeks. We've got uh, new marquee talent who also you probably know from the NFL uh, on Fox, uh, Chris Myers, and then also Pat Hughes. Both of them listen for them in the coming weeks. Yeah. Pat Hughes, your birthday friend. Yes. Who, uh, you know. Sends you sweet messages on your birthday. So uh, that's <laughs> my dream uh, guest. That's right. That's right. We finally have gotten your dream guest. So uh, we are just going to continue to try and roll in big names for everybody. And of course, if you want to, uh, you know, discuss with us about all things Cubs related, talk to us about the episode, ask us about guests that you would like to hear. You can find us on social media. Go to at Ryan D. Lieber. That's my handle. You can go to at the Chad Gordon. That's, of course, Chad's handle. And don't forget about our Facebook page, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. It's got a whole list of things that Chad and I post on there, including the podcast that you can check out. But certainly we love interacting with all of our listeners. So much and fun. wanting to hear from you allows us to kind of recognize what we need to be talking about on a week in and week out basis. So of course, check us out there. And with that, Chad, let us move on to the eighth inning, as we mentioned the marquee network. And of course, big, big news when it came to this network was how many people were going to be able to view the marquee network on the different cable networks. They had different contracts with some of the networks in the cable uh, outlets in the Chicagoland area, but the biggest one was Comcast and the marquee network did not have a contract with them. They still do not. However, Crane Kenny, the Cubs president came out and said that they are very close to a deal with Comcast and it should be done before the season starts. So fans, everyone who is uh, nervous or concerned, it looks like that this will all come together and do not fear because everyone will be able to watch Marquee in the Chicagoland area if you do have Comcast. It appears a deal is imminent, and it will happen soon enough. Do you feel relieved by this, Chad? I'm not. I, I honestly, Ryan, I could care less. And obviously, I'm not a part of the vocal minority online. People, it's just amazing how people have been fretting over this Marquee decision for the longest time. It's all going to work out. The vast majority of people have cable. Comcast has the best negotiating power. Um, and right now, it behooves everybody to get baseball on to the network. Uh, the, the Cubs right now, because of the fact there is no live sports, they will have a ratings juggernaut when they start producing games. And Comcast is going to want to show the marquee network. And for the people that haven't had a chance to see all the great program, pre- programming they've been doing, um, you know, while not having baseball the last three months, you're going to be incredibly surprised. You're going to enjoy the product. You know, as Lynn said in the interview, their goal was to obviously cater to the Cubs fan, but they would want a sports fan who stumbled on the station to go, this is good stuff. This is like network caliber stuff. And that's what I'm excited about. We've never had that. As much as people have have harkened back and been sad about the demise of the, the WGN years, that has been so 
long ago. They have not been on over-air WGN for years and years and years. You didn't know if they were going to be on, on Comcast Sportsnet or if they are going to be on WLS or you know where they were going to be. And now we all know they're going to be on the marquee network, and that allows them to put a really good product on the air. I'm excited it's finally happening. If only we can stop hearing people complain online. Yeah, I mean, I knew eventually it was going to happen. Yeah. I'm relieved that it is going to happen because I think, look, it's important especially when you're a new network, you want to roll it out to the fans to be able to see it the first game of the year. And um, the fact that, you know, they were struggling in the beginning. I think some people were a little concerned about that because unfortunately we have seen that with other teams as it relates to their cable networks. You know, the Dodgers have had issues with that for a while. So I just think a lot of people did not want to see that, um, same situation, absolutely. The same situation yes. as, as they move on from that. So let us move on now to the ninth inning, Chad. And um, wow, it's amazing. Uh, the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues. Uh, what a legacy that you know these players left. And Major League Baseball is going to be celebrating that as they are already. Uh, the former presidents uh, with Barack Obama, George Bush, Bill Clinton all involved in this celebration. Don't forget Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. And and Jimmy Carter, of course. Yes, we cannot forget about Jimmy Carter. Um, but no, I mean, when you think about what this league represented and the players who um, obviously came out of that, you, of course, think of Jackie Robinson when you think of the most obvious player to come out of there. But, you know, once upon a time, Hank Aaron played in the Negro Leagues. You know, I mean, there were, there were so many guys. Ernie Banks played in the Negro Leagues. Willie yeah. Mays played in the Negro Leagues. Yeah. And then you got the guys who never got the opportunity to play in Major League Baseball. But these were guys that probably could have been some of the greatest Major League Baseball players of all time, like a Josh Gibson or even though he, you know, cool Papa Bell, uh, Buck Leonard. I mean, and then you got guys like Satchel Paige who, you know, unfortunately – in their prime played in the Negro leagues and was unbelievably dominant and, yeah. you know, only got to play major league baseball when he was in his like late forties. Um, so you could only wonder what he was uh, like back then, but it's important um, to, to recognize these players. It's important to recognize it what this league it meant is. for, for, for eternity. And I implore people because I would love to be able to do it. I, I, I plan on doing it yet. I don't know if you have had the, experience have it and i want to, to go yeah to the negro leagues baseball museum in kansas city missouri i feel like it would be such an incredible experience to do that and i i implore anybody that is in the area if you have the opportunity to go a hundred percent what what is your uh, thoughts on on the negro leagues and what it meant and what it means for major league baseball there's uh around the history of baseball and you look at kind of that opening class of the hall of fame it's it's there isn't any diversity you know i mean you you know ty cobb and and babe ruth you know they didn't they didn't face anybody of, of color you know and you know when dexter fowler led off in game one in cleveland of the world series that was the first black player for the chicago cubs to play in a world series game because you know the last time they played in 1945 that was two years before Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. So when you talk about Kansas City, you talk about the Negro Leagues, you know, the Cubs actually have a, a, a point of history um, in the Negro Leagues by having Buck O'Neill, the very first Major League Baseball coach of color. 
Um, uh, and I believe that was in 1961, I believe 61, 62, actually. And, uh, that was when he was, a uh, um, when they had the, uh, the, the, uh, um, the, the collection of coaches, you know, the, um, he was, he was just one of them, but it was a big deal. And so he was, they hired him really as, as a scout because baseball was changing. Um, but then he also was one of the, one of the coaches and, uh, and it was, it was, it was a really big step for the Cubs um, to add him to their college of coaches. Um, and it was a really big step for baseball. And it's just amazing to think. I mean, you know, our, our listeners are of different ages, but, you know, in our parents' lifetime, this was a new thing. You know, well into my my mom's, you know, adolescence, um, there weren't any black coaches. And, uh, and, and it's a part of our history. We can't forget about that. We can't forget about the fact that um, they were not allowed. Um, they were not welcome. And from the stories of Jackie Robinson all the way through, um, there's still uh, a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, more than anything, it's a, it's a dialogue that needs to happen. But yeah, 100 years, um, such history. And it's amazing to think what baseball and the record book would look like if those 100 years, if they instead were playing with Major League Baseball, it'd be a much different record book. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to note, Chad, that you know, baseball is still struggling with black representation. Uh, just 8% of players in baseball right now are, are black. And I think that it is important, and I know Major League Baseball has really tried to um, make concerted efforts to bring the game of baseball into areas where, you know, there might be kids who are preferring to play football or basketball yeah. over baseball. And to recognize what a great sport baseball can be for, you know, kids of of color as well as, you know, people and, who are, uh, you know, that are playing right now, because I it, think they are underserved in those areas. It's it such a good point to see more of them. Yep. Playing it's, baseball. it's such a good point. And, and we were talking about this before about the Cubs number one. The draft pick first round draft pick at Howard I mean what a what a big deal that was that this team from the Chicago South Side won the U.S. championship and went on to the the Little League World Series I mean that that made people from from the South Side of Chicago made a lot of kids step up and say I could do that I could be that and now that Ed Howard has been picked by the Cubs in the first round he's going to inspire even more people the big barrier for baseball it's expensive the equipment's expensive it's a lot cheaper to pick up a basketball and go down to the corner lot baseball is an expensive sport and you're right it, it there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, you want the best athletes playing for the best teams and 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 uh, and hopefully we'll see that those percentages continue to increase to represent what really is a, a beautiful melting pot that is America yeah without a doubt well that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the friendly confines we appreciate it everybody hey when we come back next week believe yes. it or not we'll be actually talking about players playing on the field at least getting that first week of summer camp in so it's going to be exciting stuff so for chad i am ryan we'll talk to you next time everybody see you later see you at summer camp everybody just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're healed the first time you walk into Wrigley